You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 91. And in today's edition of the Ask Sam and Tim show, we're talking about budgeting and forecasting so you can plan for the coming financial year to be prosperous and profitable. So stay tuned. I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to another Thursday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I'm your Thursday co-host, Samantha Riley, joined by my lovely co-host, Tim Hyde. Welcome, Tim. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, how are you? Good. It's nice and early in the morning. You've just got back from holidays. This is the very first thing you're doing and the sun has only just come up. I am very impressed at your dedication today. <laughs> to be honest, I've, uh, I've just been on a cruise. Um, I'm not sure that I'm cruise people. Uh, <laughs> it just reminded me of a giant floating RSL crossed with the Westfield food mall. <laughs> <laughs> I did laugh when you told me that. I love cruising, but I'm... I still feel dizzy. I like the last few days, and I, I did spend them up in Noosa, um, enjoying some warmth before returning to uh, Canberra winter. But every time I got up, I felt like I was still moving around. I actually get seasick more when I get off the ship than, and like I don't get seasick on the ship at all. But I feel weird when I get off. Yes, Very yeah, it takes, a bit, takes a bit of adjusting too, I think. But, uh, yes. But anyway, back into no, it. Good. We're recording. It's good. It's good to get away. Good to be back. Good to record. Another episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Absolutely. And today we're talking about budgeting and forecasting because it's the beginning of the financial year <coughs> and this is a vital part of being a business owner and so many people don't do it or don't know how to do it. Yeah. Well, what do you reckon that is? Is it, is, it a case of, is it a case that people don't do it because we don't know how to do it or...? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, when you don't know how to do something, just put it off to the side, I'll deal with that later, or, you know, a bit of ostrich syndrome, put head in the sand. I know that it's not something that naturally came to me. I'm not a a numbers and a figures person. So my ex-business partner was very operations and numbers driven. So I learned a lot from him. So I guess very lucky in that sense that, you know, that's how I've, I guess, you know, in air quotes, grown up in my business, understanding that, that we need to do projections and reflect and, and setting goals. And, yeah, I think a lot of people don't do it because they just don't understand it. It's just, maybe it's just raw natural talent. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're on a roll already. <laughs> but we're going to get into that today and, and talk about some of the things that, that we do um, to, I guess, plan and, and look at what we did and, and what we want to achieve for the, for the year. And I think just generally it gives you that higher chance of success, doesn't it? I know that was that... You, you probably know it better than I do, Sam, that Harvard study about goal setting and of all the sort of kids from graduating the year of, at Harvard, I think this longitudinal study and the ones who planned their goals 
um, were more likely to achieve them and the ones that then wrote them down were more and more likely to achieve those goals again. And that's part of what I think we need to do as business owners is start to write down what our goals are and actually keep them somewhere that's, I think it's super visible. I, I don't do it, but I just, it just actually came to me as potentially a really good idea. It's to actually save it as an image and put it as your desktop wallpaper. Yeah, I used to do that, but then didn't see it too much because I had 200 tabs open at a time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I've got my vision board on my on my walk-in, on the uh, door of my walk-in robes every day when I go to get dressed, my vision board's there. And yeah. my business, I've got a, a hopper system. So all my post-it notes of what I'm working on, I've got that like right in plain view in my office. So yeah. I do keep things very top of mind that yeah, because it's, it's, I it's understand the, that I'm very motivated that way. Now, I imagine your vision board has got pictures on it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It has pictures, <laughs> not numbers. <laughs> how, by how did you guess, Tim? <laughs> oh, maybe I'm just intuitive. <laughs> well, look, I think it is. I, mean, I really like that, that you've got it sort of on a, on a whiteboard and you can get like a super cheap little whiteboard from... Um, I'm about to say Bunnings, but you can probably get one from there. We well, probably can get um, one from Bunnings, from, but I'd probably office suggest Officeworks. Officeworks or, <laughs> or, or where a you know, local supplier that you've got. And actually have it somewhere that's, that's constantly visible to say, this is my goal, this is my target, this is what I'm working towards. Mm. And I think it just gives you that subtle motivation each time you sort of glance at it and go, oh, okay, that's where I'm, I'm going. And if you don't have it, you know, I guess it's one of those things, if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? That's exactly right. And that's what happens. People don't know where they're going and then they get to the end of the year and go, wow, this is not where I expected to be. And then ask the question, well, where did you expect to be? Well, you do need to budget, forecast, set goals so that you do know where you're going. I go through a process with my clients at the beginning of every month. We don't do 90-day action plans like I know a lot of people do. We do 30-day action plans because I think it's easier to course correct after 30 days than it is after 90 days. So uh, we do this. And what was interesting is just last week we did our setting up our new goals for the financial year. And one of my clients had printed out the sheets and put it in her personal diary at the beginning of every month so that she could go back and reflect to see what the themes were of what she wasn't doing and what she was doing. It was extremely interesting for her to unpack that actually. Okay, and I thought that that's a, that's a good segue because that takes us into where we would recommend most people start. Yes. And that's actually, unless you're brand new to business, but recapping, going back and having a look. And I think maybe even if you're, if this is the first year of your coaching business and, and you've, you know, you're coming out of public service or wherever you're coming from, actually go back and have a look at what was working over the last 12 months. You know, what was your income over the last 12 months? What worked for you? Why did that work? Why didn't it work? Because it might shine a light on some things that were happening in your personal life that you need to change, that some habits that have crept in that actually are affecting your business, things like your health or the hours that you're working or the self-care that you're not doing. All of these have a, a little insight into why your business or, you know, or your life is going in a certain direction. So even yeah. though we're talking about budgeting and forecasting and we're not going to get into the personal side, it is interesting to have a look to see what it is that's negatively or positively impacting your business goals. Yeah. And I look at, you know, part of that's actually looking at what the baseline is, right? Mm. About how many hours did you work per day? How many did you want to work? How many hours did you work per week? Did you have that day off? And we, we talked a few episodes ago about 
about that self-care and, and being able to take time out of the business and I guess live your life you know for what purpose you're actually doing your business for but looking at those things and say did it did it achieve it right did I make enough phone calls did I connect with enough people if I'd set myself a goal to connect to 10 people every single day did I dedicate time to do that right and that gives that baseline that achieves the outcome and I think we need to look at our businesses more a bit more like a factory that a certain number of inputs delivered a certain number of outputs. Totally. A few variables, but generally speaking, if we look at our business a bit like that factory line, if we put X amount of resources and time into the business at the front end, it will generate a certain outcome. And it will pretty much always do that same outcome. Now, if we want to change the outcome, we've got to either change the machine or change the inputs. Totally. And this is where the reflection is really, really important. Looking back, <laughs> saying what was, what was the income, what were the different revenue streams that gave me that total income? How many clients do I have? What's the average cost per lead? What's the average cost per acquisition? What is the average dollar figure that that client's you know, paying us? All of these numbers create a picture that makes it very easy to unpack and see this is where I came, this is how I got here by looking at all of these, these different pieces of input, I guess, as you say, data. Yeah. Now, I think it's interesting that you mentioned a couple of terms there <laughs> that people should be aware of. And that's cost per acquisition, cost per, you know, cost per client, right? uh, cost per lead. I think it's worth expanding on those. What are those? Actually, this is so your field of genius. <laughs> uh, Tim, I don't know why I'm explaining it. You would be able to explain it so much better. No. Okay. All right, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Um, so, yeah, cost per lead is, is and I think this is, this is an area that, I would encourage people to do it. So it's how much resources that your business committed to acquire an inquiry. Right? So that can be someone into your database. Right? I would generally say having someone come into your database is not necessarily a lead. I would okay. say it's more that initial conversation where you get on the phone with somebody. That's where I think you know we really should be counting leads. Right? Totally. Okay. Now, if we start breaking these things down, suspects, right, people who represent the profile you want to, prospects are people in the database, leads are people who are actually raising their hand. Yes, people okay. that you're actually talking to. People you're yes. actually talking to, okay. Now, cost per lead, what we need to look at when we're looking at cost per lead is we don't want to be spending more money to acquire leads and customers or cost per acquisition as a customer than it costs us to actually deliver to that customer because mm. we find ourselves going backwards very quickly. And, in fact, you can accelerate your business and go broke faster if you're not keeping a sort of reasonable eye on that. Right? Totally. So cost per lead. Or does it cost you in resources and dollars to get a conversation and cost per acquisition now starts to go, all right, if every three, four, five conversations I have, I get a client from that, that's my cost of acquisition. And okay. if you want to go back to the last episode, episode 90, Brett Campbell actually breaks down that cost per acquisition really well and explains in more detail than that exactly what can work out that figure that you can afford to pay for that cost per acquisition. Yeah, yeah. So but, you don't want to be paying more than, you know, what it costs to deliver. Totally. Right, because you find this going, going backwards. can be the same and, uh, you know, if we start looking at this, look, people in direct sales will talk about this. You know, if it costs you $1 less to deliver to a customer initially than it costs to get that customer, you can just crank the handle as fast as you can, right? Because some of those customers will then continue to buy from you in their lifetime value, which is probably another metric we need to look at. 
is is worth more. So yeah. the lifetime value of a customer is another metric that we need to be aware of as well. Okay? But this and is where you need to really reflect well and really know and understand where you're getting your clients from because if your messaging isn't right, none of these figures matter right now because you need to be working on your messaging before you're putting money into paid marketing. There's so many different <coughs> aspects of this and I, and possibly this is where people are putting their hands out, this is way too hard. So if we were going to go back and just make this super, super simple so that everyone can do this, it's just going back and reflecting what was the amount that I earned last year? Where did those revenue streams come from? How many clients? That's the super, super basics from there. Yeah. 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 I like to, um, you know, one of the things I try to do is, is just have a sort of whiteboard next to my desk and I say, and it's got literally two columns in it. Right? It's got how many conversations, you know, do I have a conversation? And literally I put a, a mark in the conversation column, right, and then have a, a client column and, and a mark in the, you know, just a tally in the client column. And it doesn't matter whether I had a conversation with someone four months ago and they came on as a client today, mm-hmm. right? So sometimes, you know, the number of clients I brought on in a month is a more than the conversations. Mm-hmm. It's unusual that that happens. All right. But that's what I want to look at. I want to say how many conversations we're having and am I consistently delivering a number of conversations and how many clients. And so yeah. then we can go, okay, how many resources did I spend in July to get X number of clients? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we can start to have a rolling average over, you know, the 12 months or three months or whatever period you want to have. Totally. So that's, so that's the reflecting and looking backwards so you've got some sort of baseline. And once you've got that, it's about setting the new target. Like So looking, getting that data from looking back and now looking, turning around and looking forward. If this is what we did last year, this is what the new target is going to be. How do you work that number out, Tim? It's, very, it's a very scientific method. I, <laughs> my finger, I stick it in the air and I say it's 50% more than the previous year. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, and it's funny because I was actually asked this question on a group coaching call the other day and I kind of went, uh, (laughs) I also do 50%, um, but I gave it a bit of a caveat. The reason I said 50% is because I've actually plotted my numbers for the last 26 years and consistently in the first 20 years, they did 50% every single time. So that, that's how we ended up with that, that hockey stick curve, I guess you could say, because 50% growth on a small number is a small thing. But once you're at, you know, 500,000, all of a sudden you're going to a million. So that, that's where we get a steep growth curve. However, the caveat that I put in place was it's also a little bit, I think it's one thing to say this is normal. It's another thing to think that that is the answer that it is completely possible to do more than 50% growth. And this is where I like to set good, better, best goals. So good, a good goal is a 50% growth and then, uh, you know, my better goal is a stretch along that and my best is, wow, in my wildest dreams, this is what I would love to do. Yeah, I think it also depends on where your business is in terms of maturity, right? So oh, if you're totally. at, you know, if you're just starting out the first couple of years and maybe you're making 50000 60000 you know, in your coaching business, it's totally impossible to sort of double or triple that, you know, in the next 12 months, right? If you're at 750000 right, doubling or tripling is much, much harder to do. Not that it's not possible, but you might set a more conservative 10, 20, 30% growth. But you might even, look, to be honest, I think, and then we were talking about this before the, we aired this episode, was actually saying, okay, if as, as a result of your review, you found yourself working more than you wanted to, Mm-hmm. And, and, and compromising on those 
blocked out dates for holidays and, and, and whatnot. You might want to actually say, look, I'm actually going to bring it back to something that might be more manageable for you. And that's totally okay as well. But I still think it's important to set that target and, and know what that looks like. And yeah. Because if we don't do it, again, we don't know where we're going. Totally. So once we've got that new target of what we want to be earning over the next 12 months before the end of the financial year, it's about um, working backwards and breaking that down into income streams. So obviously, Tim, you and I have got different types of businesses. So I would go back and look at what are the different income streams? What are the different programs that I have? And to achieve that goal or that target that I've set, how many people need to be in each program at what dollar figure? Because I might decide that, well, it's not going to happen on that dollar figure. The price needs to go up or I need to put more money into marketing to bring more people in. And we're talking about your specific revenue streams, right? So yeah. your Business Success Academy, your one-to-one coaching, you know, as, as particular revenue Now, I find this interesting that you don't do this, break it down by a month to say, I want to make 300000 and therefore I need to do kind of, you know, 25000 a month. Yeah, which is really, I'm really glad you brought this up because we were having this conversation off air and this is where you need to be really aware of how your business works. So for me, I work in quarters because I know that a quarter where I've got events and I'm selling off the back end of that and I'm putting people into events that I'm going to do way more than I do in the months that I don't have those activities and your business is, is slightly different. So you need to be aware of how your business works because a lot of businesses don't have, actually, I would say most businesses don't have exactly the same amount coming in every month consistently. There is peaks and troughs. And that happens, right? And particularly if you start to offer a, a high-ticket product. You know, one of my programs is 30000 I know you've got some high-ticket products as well. You know, you, you lose one of those clients or you bring one of those clients on and it can make a, a really big difference to, you know, your bottom line. For that particular for that particular month, for me, I I tend to break it down by month first, right? To go okay, I, my target if I want to make three hundred thousand, my target's twenty five thousand, and then I'll break it down into what is it that I want to do. I've got some residual revenue, um, obviously part of sort of software sales for me. I get some residual revenue out of that, and I go okay, this my my residual revenue target is X amount per month. Uh-huh. My consulting revenue is X amount per month. My program implementation revenue is X per month. And that's what's going to make up my, you know, the 25, 30, 20, 50,000 a month, whatever it happens to be for, for, for you, right, in those, in those different areas. Yeah. Just to confirm, because I don't know if I clarified this enough, I do set monthly targets. I just don't have them at exactly the same amount. Cool. Okay. So... You you mentioned earlier that I'm more about good, better, best. Do you do the same thing at that program level as well? I do. I always set good, better, best goals. It's actually something I've only done for the last maybe 12 months and I can't even remember where I originally heard this. But being a competitive person, I'm very competitive with myself, I found that these are really great to set these three goals. So it's like, oh, I've got this one. I'm just going to keep pushing to get the next one. And these work really well for me. It helps to not get into this downward spiral of setting one amount and going, I didn't get there. You know, I failed. I was a failure. It eliminates that because we're just always going for, well, if it's good, it'll be this. And and we just keep pushing um, for that stretch goal. 
Absolutely. Now, I think one of the things we also recommend is sort of breaking that down into, now that we've got our sort of goal, breaking that down into activities. Yes. Because once you've got each program, let's say we've got just, let's pull a number. We've got three programs. We've set our good, better, best goals to knowing how many clients that is and the dollar figure. Now we need to set into place the activities that we need to do to bring those numbers in. Actually, just coming back to those metrics earlier, I think one of the things that I, that I always see, and I know I'm guilty of this as well, is actually you know, when you ask people their conversion rate and they go, oh, it's 90%. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, no, it's not. It's <laughs> right, actually going back, and even you know, even a sales conversion rate of 30% just means 30% of the conversations you have of sales related prospects. You know, it's actually been really I'm not even conservative about what it is that you think you're going to convert to actually deliver those outcomes. I know for you it's not necessarily the dollar figure to deliver, you know, the $10,000 in revenue I need from this month from this particular program stream. But going, okay, look, if I want to make $10,000 and I know I'm selling that for $1,000 a throw, I need 10 prospects, um, 10 customers how many people do I need to talk to to deliver that 10 customers? Yeah, because if you know that you speak to, you get one customer from every 10 conversations and you need 10 customers, then you need to have 100 conversations. Yeah, which means that... Oh, you looked at me weird then. I was like, "Uh oh, I just wrote that out wrong. That's that's right. That's that's that reverse engineering, right? And if I need, you know, if I need to have 100 conversations to get 10 customers, how many people need to come into my database? To even get those 100 conversations in the first place because you might only have one in 15 people have a conversation with you or it's probably higher. Yeah. So the the number's in the thousands. That's right. So if you need to say, okay, I need to have 1,000 people into my database every single month to have 100 conversations to get 10 customers to live like 10, you know, $10,000 from that revenue stream this month. And I think that's where we have to start looking at saying, okay, what are the what are the projects, resources, the activities that I need to do to deliver that thousand people into my into mm-hmm. my database? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's only when you, I think when you only start to do that that you actually go and deliver the outcome. Otherwise, you sort of go, oh, why did I only get two thousand dollars in revenue from that particular thing this month? We go, yes. oh. Again, we haven't done the, the inputs to deliver the outcome we wanted. Absolutely. You know? So what are those activities? What are the resources that we need to create that that are directly reverse engineered from, you know, the program that we're trying to grow? So all of a sudden, there's quite a lot of reverse engineering to be done to bring it back to this is the number of people that I am going to acquire as clients or customers. Let's reverse engineer even before, okay, well, it's this many people. How am I even going to get those people into my funnel in the first place? Yeah, and I think when you start to write that down, start to map it out, and again, I think having a, a big whiteboard is a really good tool for this. You know, having the stakeholders of a business, and if you don't, if it's just you and your business, get your partner involved. But if yeah, open open having that conversation with them, get your business coach involved if you've got a business coach, and if you don't, you know, I know a really good one. <laughs> Right. Thanks, Tim. Uh, I'll take that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, they can start to ha- get your accountant involved, right? Get your people involved. They can start to have, you know, have these conversations with you to look at, you know, what are the resources that I'm missing in my business to deliver that? And right? you start, start mapping those funnels out and say, okay, 
I want to deliver $10,000, I need 100 conversations, I need 1,000 people in my thing, all right, what resources do I have in my business to do that? If you've only got one lead magnet, maybe you need to put in a podcast. Maybe you need to put in some, some JV events, um, you know, to deliver my the, the goals and the goals that I want to do this financial year. I've started um, tapping into accountants and doing joint presentations with mm-hmm. accountants, right? yeah. because I know that my event stuff, like your event stuff, converts at a higher rate than, say, podcasting or, you know, just the odd weekly social media post. Yeah. And so we can start to look at and say, what are the things that I need to put into my business to deliver the outcome I want? And it's a bit of an experiment, like everything you do in marketing. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of an experiment to say, okay, is this working for me? Is it not working for me? Do I need to replace a piece of this puzzle with something else? And then we start to measure the effectiveness of those things. Totally. And I think that's really important to note that success does leave clues. However, what is success for one person isn't necessarily for another and nothing in business is black and white. Like there's all, what works for one doesn't work for another. And what worked for me last week might not work next week. It's a constant trial and error. It's a constant test and measure every single day. Uh, And, you know, we we can know generally what's going to work and certainly make it so that we're not living by accidenti every single day. But we don't have this guarantee that every single thing is going to work every single day, unfortunately. That's right. I think, think, you know, if we take away this sort of message that nobody has ever been in your business where you are now. You are a pioneer in your business. You've never had the resources, the time, the technology, the opportunities that you have in your business right now. Sam and I have never had them. That is absolute gold, Tim. I really like that. <laughs> you had a super smart moment. You should go on cruises more often. <laughs> all right. So you can certainly learn from other people like Sam and I as well, right, um, from our, our position. But you, you're in this unique position that you are the pioneer in your business. Totally. Right? And, and being okay that sometimes we, you have to kind of make things up and there's no necessarily right way or wrong way. But other people have climbed the mountain before, but the mountain's changed since we climbed it. Totally. So you can yeah. certainly learn and say, okay, these are some fundamentals that you need to get right, but then also be aware of that sometimes you need to take that that next step, right? Um, another one of my sayings that I really love is that you are the opportunity, right? You open the door. Don't wait for it to knock. Nice. No, you're on fire this morning. Oh, yes, there's, there's a you couple. are on fire. Are you going to even drink coffee? I know, I don't drink yes. coffee. Just insane. So going back, reflect on last year, pull out all that data that you need. This is only a short look back. It's not go back and and live back in the past. It's just a reflect, grab the data you need so that you can set the new target. Once you've set your new targets, work backwards, you know, reverse engineer and break down those income streams and the people that you need to have in your funnel essentially and setting good, better, best goals for each of those income streams, I think is a really an awesome thing to do. And then start to look at what other activities, resources and projects that are required to deliver those. And I know you mentioned just a little while ago about whiteboards, Tim, something that I do, I'm a, I'm a big planner. Down at Officeworks, and they probably have these at Office Depot, big, huge, I think they're A1 calendars with a month to a page. I will sit down and like they're big and each day has a big square and I break my my quarters down and 
Each quarter has a theme for whatever funnel I'm working on. And then we break down day by day, what are the what is the content that needs to go out? What are the lead magnets that we're promoting? Who are the people that we're connecting with? And I start to really get that granular into breaking down what that would look like. And then that gets transferred onto my whiteboard for each quarter. Actually, I would add one more thing to that. I would, and I've got this on a post-it note that says, you know, do I really deserve success? But I, um, I would actually add one more to this. It's just come to me right now. It says, if I was to look back at the last quarter or the last month or whatever period, how would I know that that's successful? And just write a little sentence or two that says, how will I know that my last quarter is successful in helping me go towards my target? That's fantastic. That's really good. Nice. What is your wrap-up for this episode, Tim? What's your you, – you've actually dropped a lot of value bombs today. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, come, back refre- uh, come, back, come, back re- come back refreshed or pickled, one of the two. <laughs> I think, I think the, the takeaway for me is that this is a fundamental – and part of running a successful business. And you need to take time out of your business. And it's so easy to get caught up with, shit, I've got to put out a social media post today or record this or respond to that thing or reply to that email or whatever it happens to be. But this, if you, if you get this bit right, your chances of success are significantly improved because all of, those, all of that noise, all of that activity that we're doing when we're in our business now has a roadmap. Yeah. Of yeah. where it's going and what's it for. Totally. Okay. And if you find yourself looking at that little, you know, that goal whiteboard or, or calendar or whatever and going, holy shit, the thing that I'm doing right now is not on my board, right? You can go, you can pull yourself up and go, this is not going to deliver me the outcome that I'm planning for. Totally. And for me, the takeaway would be something that, I, you know, I mentioned right at the beginning, I do have a vision board. I tie everything back to that. Why I'm in my business is because of the way that I want to be living my life and asking myself, can I afford it, is the wrong question. The question is, how can I afford it? And by doing budgeting and forecasting, that's the answer. That's how I can afford it because I'm planning and putting preparations into place. It's not about the money. It's about what that money can provide for the lifestyle that I want to be living. Absolutely. I'm going to throw out a challenge to people right, between oh, now and next it. week. Love it. All right. <laughs> um, is, is find half a day. I don't care if it's a Saturday or Sunday and sit down and do this activity. I am, I'm going to. I'm going to sort of revisit my goals. I didn't do them while I was on holidays. I wanted to completely show That's up. good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm going to kind of find a, a half day somewhere in the next week between this one and the next podcast Yes. Uh, to actually sit down and do this. Yeah, love it. So I challenge everyone who's listening to do the same. Totally, totally. Brilliant. So next week, Tim, we're talking about the one thing. What is the one thing? Ah, this is sort of a thing that I guess has come out of today's, right? Now, we're at different parts of our business, but if we had to pick one thing that was the catalyst that we had to change or tweak or the one lever that makes all the, all the other levers or dominoes drop, was that one thing. So we're going to sort of look at that and see whether there's a, a one thing that seems to be universal at different we're, stages of business that we could do. We're going to explore. We're going to explore it. <laughs> awesome. If you like this episode, we'd love you to share it out. Head over to iTunes and give us a rate and a review because that helps other people find us. 
which is, we think, super helpful to people that need to find us. <laughs> oh, not on fire this side of the world, Tim. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. Thanks for joining me for another episode, Tim. It's great to have you back and look forward to hanging out with you next Thursday. Great, Sam. Great to be back and uh, looking forward to plowing into the mountain of emails. <laughs> Good luck for your week. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll see you next week. See ya. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.